Our reading this morning comes to us from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 14 to 31. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? Excuse me. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greatest honor, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our most respectable members do not need this. But God has arranged so, so arranged the body giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but all the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is dishonored, all rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? but strive for the greater gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. My prayer poem this morning is entitled Wondrous God. It is by Reverend Anne Day from a book, Shaping Sanctuary. Wondrous God, lover of lion and lizard, cedar and cactus, raindrop and river, we praise you for the splendor of the world. We thank you that woven throughout the tapestry of earth are the very varied threads of human diversity. Created in your image were many colors and cultures, ages and classes, gender, and sexual identities. Different and alike, we are your beloved people. Free us from fears of difference that divide and wound us. Move us to dismantle our attitudes and systems of prejudice. Renew our commitment to make this a household of faith for all people, gay, bisexual, les lesbian, transgender, and straight, that all who worship and minister here may know the grace 
and challenge of faith. In our life together, grant us minds and hearts eager to learn, reluctant to judge, and responsive to the leading of your loving spirit. There's a lot to celebrate on this day, not the least of which is the fact that this is a reconciling congregation. I was surprised to learn last week when we were rehearsing Draw the Circle Wide that you had not sung that song here. I hope it becomes part of your repertoire. It's a wonderful song written by my good friend Mark Miller who keeps wondering, why do I show up in all these strange places? <laughs> so in the service that I attended on Thursday morning, the woman who won the preaching award preached about Draw the Circle. And she said, her name is Becca, but it's Becca something, I don't know what. So. Um, she preached that drawing the circle wide is vastly different from circling up. All too often we find ourselves circling up and making sure that we're excluding people. We circle the wagons to protect ourselves. And it's delightful to know that this is not a congregation that thinks circling up is a good thing to do. You welcome people, you welcomed me, a maverick, somewhat of a heretic, which I wear that badge proudly, into your midst without a second thought. You didn't wait for me to earn my right to be here. And you're not that way with people who come into your midst to figure out whether or not they are good enough strong enough, tall enough, wise enough, wealthy enough to be here. People walk through the door, and it was really funny when First Church started meeting here that people would walk in the door and you'd be, welcome them, and they'd say, I'm here for First Church. And you'd say, well, welcome anyway. <laughs> it was really nice to see that happen. We haven't really embraced everything, but we do embrace everybody. You're not done yet, though, folks. Sometimes it's really nice to say we're doing such a good job that we just rest on our laurels. And yet, Scripture tells us that no, it's not good enough to do a job halfway. We are a very warm and welcoming congregation. And I know I said this the first Sunday I was here, and I know I have said it 45,000 times in between, but you are not invitational. And if you don't do anything else in the future, invite people to come to church. You clearly love this place. Why are you not inviting people to join you? Everybody sitting here knows somebody who doesn't go to church. Everybody. You know of families that don't have a faith community to call their own. 
You know children that are looking for a place to be welcomed just as they are. You know these people. You work with them. You go to school with them. You see them in the grocery store. They live next door or across the street. Part of being the body of Christ is using those feet and using the mouth and saying, come with me. I will pick you up. I want you to be with us in this special place. I don't know how to get that across to people that being friendly when people come through the door is not enough. Even when I came here the first time on a Sunday morning, walking through that door was a scary experience. And churches are my second home. It takes a tremendous amount of courage for somebody to walk through that door the first time alone. You worry about where the people are, where are the children. There's been a lot of hand-wringing. What do we do to get the kids here? Well, you don't just wish it here. You invite them here. We haven't asked the people in this community what do they need, what do they want. We haven't reached out to the LBGTQ community to say what can we do for you? How can we lift you up? How can we include you in how we do ministry? Everyone and everybody is welcome here, but we need to be inviting people to be here. Now, I've shared with some of you that I'm not really thrilled about going back to central New York where I do not have a place to worship. Partly because reconciling churches are few and far between. The churches are primarily very, very small. The music is really horrible in many churches. It's really awful. They use recordings. It makes me very uncomfortable. And because I'm a known quantity when I walk in, they think I'm spying. There is some truth to that. But the idea that I don't have a specific place to land frightens me. So I will probably be showing up on, online here and in a couple of other churches that I really like in New York that are too far to go to on a regular Sunday. I've told a few of you that my granddaughter Emily has orchestrated my summer for me, and she informed me that the Sunday that we are going to camp, we need to leave early in the morning so that we can go to Lansing to go to church before we go to camp, okay? 
No, she is not driving, but she would love to. She's only 15. So. But it's, you know, it's very unsettling for me not to know that I have a specific place to worship. And for that, I am very, very grateful for all of the online churches that I can attend, but it's not the same. It's absolutely not the same. But there is a lot of work that you have done here, a lot of giant steps that you have taken toward the future. But just as I've said to you that God is not done with me, I know that God is not done with you. You have more ministry to do. You have more people to share the gospel with. You have more people whose lives need to be touched and changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what lies ahead for me, and I certainly don't know what lies ahead for you. But I'm hoping that Pastor Lori is going to push you as I have pushed you so that you continue to grow. If you remember, churches that aren't moving forward are moving backward. There is no status quo. There is no maintenance here. You have to be moving forward, and you are. One of the things that I think you need to be really clear about is as you're making decisions and thinking about where you want to go or what you want to do, if you rely on your own resources and just talk to one another, you're going to falter. You need to spend time talking to God and listening to God for what God has to say. For there is a tremendous amount that you can do. None of it can be done without God with you. So enfold yourselves with prayer. Think about meditation. Spend time with God. For those of you who aren't sure how to do that, seek out a spiritual director. Find someone who can help you to connect with God. Without God at the center of who you are, you forget whose you are. So my parting words to you, other than I love you with my whole heart and I'm not going to abandon you, I will show up when you least expect it. I have a way of doing that, and I will continue to yell at the choir. If I haven't done anything else, I've got them to stop chatting. Sort of. Sort of. Memories are very, very short. But I will be showing up. There are things I have done in New Hampshire. I haven't done any exploring in Vermont except for King Arthur baking, a place that I will visit again. But truly, it has been a pleasure to be here. 
It's a pleasure to see God moving in a congregation. It's a pleasure to make friends that will be friends forever. Thank you for the gift of this place. Thank you for your gifts to my spirit. Amen.